I'd been meaning to put up our interviews and all these other special talks uh, about catch wrestling up on some sort of uh, podcast platform, and I'd actually been looking around, and um, now I think Anchor.fm is uh, probably one of the best bets for you. Uh, you the inter- user interface has actually gotten much better. Um, it's free. They also have all these different tools, that, which I think work much better than they used to, uh, to edit and everything, so you can uh, put up a nice podcast, which we'll get more into later, so hopefully everything gets smoother later on. Um, also, they distribute your podcast for you, so it shows up on Spotify, Apple, uh, Google Podcasts, everything like that, and you can also get sponsorships. So uh, go ahead and check it out. So I'm Raul, is the Catch Wrestling Alliance, uh, and we keep real wrestling alive here. Um, so we're also live on YouTube and Twitch, and I want to share with you more advice from the life work of Farmer Burns. Um, I think this chapter is really good. And so uh, basically the chapter is called The Outdoor Man's Mental Culture, right? Um, but the title of this video is, you know, basically the... Uh, um, like, <laughs> actually, I forgot what I titled it, <laughs> but um, anyway, the, basically, like the advantage, right, that you can get from oh, the farmer's advantage, right? So basically, what happened in this chapter is that he, um, well, well, let's get to it because there's a, it's a short chapter, but a lot happens in this chapter, and I think you'll like it. Okay, so uh, the whole thing starts off where he's talking about the outdoor man. And um, well, let's go ahead and get to, to it. So he, he quotes an article. So there was an article that was written actually about him. Um, it says, the following article, which appeared in the Des Moines homestead um, under the date of July 1st, 1907, shows that a well-disposed mental attitude is, the, is best fitted to win out in all cases. All right, so... Um, it kind of goes back to what he was talking about. So even in the first chapter of his book, Farmer Burns talks about um, like having like an optimistic mindset. So whatever, like regardless of whatever adversity uh, you face, having that whole optimistic mindset is going to help you out a lot. Uh, at least that is uh, Farmer Burns' point of view. You know, you can agree with it or not, but I'm just letting you know what he thinks and what's written in his book, right? So uh, again, this is already chapter six. And again, right at the beginning, the whole optimist uh, mindset comes back into play. Uh, So it's important to him, right? If it gets repeated in his book, then you you know that it's it's really important to him. Okay, so uh, continuing, basically now he just, uh, they just, put an article um, into the book. And so the article is called The Farmer's Advantage Favoring Longevity. Okay, so it says, a French newspaper has been instructing its readers how to live to a good old age, drawing its conclusion from the lives and writings of famous men. For instance, Moltke said that the secret of his health lay in great moderation in all things. Victor Hugo had a tablet on the wall of his house with the following inscription, rising at six, dining at 10, 
supping at six, retiring at 10, makes the life of a man 10 times 10. Chevrolet, the famous chemist who lived to be 103 years old, considered a happy disposition to be an important factor contributing to his long life. Sir Benjamin Ward Richardson declares that those who wish to reach a century must neither smoke nor drink. They should eat sparingly of meat, work as little as possible by artificial light, trouble themselves little about making a fortune, and never allow ambition to rule their lives. By all these signs, the farmer, meaning Farmer Burns, should live to a ripe old age. His practices, he practices Malka's moderation, goes Victor Hugo one better by rising at five and retiring at nine. He has learned through the years of experience to cultivate a happy disposition that it's worse than useless to trouble himself about making a fortune for nature urged a little by scientific knowledge goes serenely on her way, duplicating miracles of the past, so that whether it rains or drought follows, the unfailing goodness of God makes the fields to bear harvest that his people may be fed. All right, so um, so he sets it up by, they talk about a uh, French article uh, and they cite some really famous people who lived uh, a long time or even who have uh, experience or like experts talking about how to live to 100 and they talk about how farmer farmer burns kind of uh, is the epitome of all these things and um so that's the beginning right but there's other things that, that kind of go on um that i kind of like to share with you because it's not just that so then farmer burns kind of goes into the mindset later so let's kind of skip to that Okay, so it just they kind of describe why Farmer Burns is, is special. So I might as well show you that. So, um, so he's saying he's been a star on the map for a number of years. Um, uh, that being asked, the secret of his marvelous physique, which has maintained to an age when most professional athletes have long since become uh, frail, uh, stale and worn out, he explained that he drank neither tea, coffee, nor intoxicating liquor, used no tobacco in any form, and never swore. It is easy to see why this famous athlete does not inject into his system any stimulant to tear down and destroy his tissues after momentary exhilaration is ended. But it is not so easy to see why he places... Uh, abstention up first when a struggle comes. Okay, so they're gonna go into this different, uh, they're gonna go into the mindset aspect right now. Okay, so he says, when a man says, and it's kind of funny because they censor this part, but they put the two letters and then a line. So but what do you mean that when a man says, damn it, it's a sure sign that he is up against it and that he can't win. It's when the other wrestler is saying, damn it, that I roll him over on his shoulders, right? So, you know, back, back in his time, that was much more of, a, uh, of an offensive thing to say or to hear. Uh, but basically, yeah, it's like when 
they're using that term, but basically just to mean that when you hear someone already kind of resigning themselves or when they when they make some exclamation showing that they are frustrated, then that's when you know you have the advantage, right? So in this case, they're saying, damn it, right? So that's when the farmer knows that he's going to win and he's able to pin them, right? Thereafter, all lies the real secret of success of the wrestler who is the marvel of the athletic world, he does not know what failure is. To curse his luck would be to admit a possibility of failure, which the very thought would bring about, right? So if you're already thinking that you're, so even, so if say if you're frustrated, you're in a tough match, you're in a tough situation, and um, then you already say like, damn it. So in this case, damn it, right? Um, then you, already are kind of, at least in Farmer Burns' point of view, you're already admitting defeat. You're already giving up. You're mentally, so then you can be take overtaken at that time, right? Um, let me see. It... Yeah, so the farmer who succeeds is the farmer who follows the advice of Farmer Burns, right? Um, Rises, he rises in the morning and looking out over the fields, which he had intended to work that day, finds the rain falling on them. The impulse to say, damn it, may be strong, but to do so is to admit the possibility of failure. Right? The man who refrains from saying it is the man who, like Farmer Burns, rolls the other fellow over on his shoulders and takes the fall going out to do the thousand and one chores which are invariably left for the rainy day or laying plans which the coming of the sun brings into fruition. There are, the, there are problems and difficulties in everyday farming life which must be wrestled and thrown. Just as Farmer Burns wrestles opponents to the mat, his secret of success and strong physique may be followed with as good results to the farmer as to the wrestler. All right, so again, um, they, he, they, they briefly mention the other things like, you know, like eating uh, fruits and vegetables and very little animal products and, uh, rise, you know, waking up early and all that, but they, they kind of uh, brush by that. That's all like just a couple sentences, um, but then they go on for paragraphs talking about the mindset. So. Um, we have to admit that, that that is truly important. And I don't know if you, if you guys know this, but there's a, a book uh, called Blue Zones. And um, it basically, it was, it was studies of, of places in the world where uh, populations regularly lived to 100 years old in a healthful way, right? So you have healthy, they're called centenarians. So there are certain pockets around the world where we have a lot of healthy centenarians and where it's just common for people to produce centenarians, right? So uh, they, there's, these researchers compiled the commonalities of these people. And so what they find is the mentality is the strongest indicator. It's one of, it's one of the strongest. I can't, I can't always, it's not always good to speak in absolutes, but it's one of the strongest indicators for someone to live uh, to 100 healthfully, 
right? So right now in the United States, our, our um, life expectancy is decreasing, but something that is increasing is the amount of time someone lives disabled, right? So say if people are living longer overall, because of drugs and stuff, keeping people alive, they are living longer disabled, right? So they're living longer, potentially in chronic pain or um, basically not able to live their life to the fullest. And that's not the way human beings are meant to live, right? So we can live healthfully uh, to 100 or even beyond. And so we have these different populations around the world who that have been doing so forever, right? And um, uh, not only forever, but for the longest time, right? Um, so one of the, a lot of people talk, or they, a lot of people think of Okinawa as being one. It's true, it is, uh, it is one of these blue zones, um, but it's not uh, the longest lived people. And some people might be uh, shocked or surprised to hear that uh, the longest lived people on earth actually live here in California. Um, and of course, it's not all, <laughs> it's, uh, they're not all by the beach or anything, but they're actually kind of inland from Los Angeles. Uh, they live in a, uh, basically, it's the seven day Adventists. And so they live, um, maybe like an hour, an hour drive east from Los Angeles. Um, so they're the ones that, again, yeah, they are, because um, you know, in the in the early books of the Bible, it's the first book of the Bible, you know, they, they talk about uh, in the Garden of Eden, God wants a man and woman, or like uh, Adam and Eve to be eating fruits and vegetables. And so the Seventh-day Adventists, they try to be vegetarian. Um, but so they try to implement a lot of the things that like Farmer Burns are talking about here. Um, but so that being said, that's that's all fine and good. But then also the mentality thing is another thing that like another commonality between all these groups uh, in different blue zones, right? So um, the mentality is that so say like in in Western culture and many in many of our countries, a lot of people believe that age forty. You're, they call it like going over the hill, right? So you're already, you're beyond, like you're, you were great in your 20s and 30s, you start kind of uh, feeling a little different. And then by 40, oh man, that's all downhill from there. That like these uh, societies where they regularly live much longer, um, they don't believe that. They don't buy that. And when you don't buy that, then your body follows, right? So uh, what what the research has shown is that, um, like, say, if you believe, oh, I'm so old and uh, I'm, I'm all decrepit now, then then your immune system won't work optimally. Uh, yeah, you, you'll you'll you won't heal as as efficiently as before. Um, so yeah, your mind believes a lot of uh, what you think, right? So um, I would say. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because like the way you perceive your world really affects even how hormones are utilized, or um, if there's like uh, excessive amounts of stress hormone that's circulating in your body, right? So uh, the way you perceive your world is uh, really affects the real the internal reality, right? So if you're perceiving a lot of chaos, which there could be that, right? But say like how Farmer Burns is talking about having an optimistic uh, outlook, right? So if you're trying to find the 
the silver lining and everything, right? How in the chapter they talk about like if you live on a farm, then there's tons of things you have to do. But if you if you wake up in the morning, you planned all these things, and it's raining. If you if you if like how a farmer burns is, if you just look outside and say, "Damn it, I can't do it," or "I can't whatever," and you're upset about it, then that's going to affect you negatively, right? So it's all about not thinking that way and uh, that then your body follows right so then we have research showing that um your your body does follow in all kinds of ways right so hormonally uh your immune system function etc etc right so uh the, i think that's why in this chapter they kind of briefly mention like the oh you know you're outside or drinking water and uh you know eating healthfully you're going to sleep early and this and that, it, it is uh, not as big of a part of the, of the chapter than this, the, the mindset thing, right? All right, so there's a, another little passage that I want to read uh, from it, which I thought was pretty cool. All right, so it says that. So, so that if you are one whose lot is cast in the great out, out of doors, remember that you have every advantage as long as you keep your eye trained on the brighter side of life, right? So he's talking about like, oh, maybe the person who's who grew up on the farm uh, has an advantage, like say with, over like with mindset over the person who grew up uh, in the city. And they also talk about like, they kind of mentioned the like electric light and all that so like not being so helpful as like you know being outside in the sun so um so he kind of says like oh the, the farmer or at least the person who's out of doors um has a can have an advantage right you, you, like uh, but just just know that it's like it's not like this is a, a definite cure-all or, or or the results are the same for everybody but Farmer Burns again recognizes uh, the the potential benefits of like the out of doors lifestyle or the farmer lifestyle, but um, again he talks about like the the mindset being there because yeah like he says like even a farmer can uh, have the all these things planned and then with it rains then he can resign himself and think negatively but the whole goal is to not think negatively have that optimistic mindset right uh, and then uh, then you can always turn something that seems negative or that appears negative and then you can make it into a positive and so that he so talks about life but then also talks about matches right so if you're if you're in a tough match you and he has another quote later and i've shared it on our social media where it talks about it's like you should not even think for one second uh that you can lose and he says you should not even believe it until the match until you've lost the match that you can lose right and he he kind of says a little bit more poetically where it's like like do not even believe until both uh both of your shoulders are pinned down and the referee calls the match that you can lose right so that's why um uh, that can so like by saying like damn it right then uh that already creates that little fracture in your brain in your mindset and that that can 
allow negativity to creep in or can allow your opponent, right, to then roll you over and put you back on your shoulders. Or if you're kind of nearing your, like if your back is kind of, you have what they call like back exposure, right? It's almost, it's almost there. You're kind of being tilted uh, to get both shoulders onto the mat. If you're, even if, even if that moment, if you're thinking that you can lose, then it's going to seep in and uh, your your partner or your opponent will have a better chance of winning, at least winning the mental game. And if they win the mental game, right, you have a, you've lost <laughs> a lot. You're, you're probably going to lose and you probably, uh, you like your health bar will go down a lot, right, even though you're still physically strong. All right, so I, I thought that chapter was uh, pretty cool, uh, even though it's kind of short, but I think it had a lot of cool little tidbits in there. Um, actually, let me go ahead and read the, that last sentence again. All right, so, so that if you are one who's, whose lot is cast in the great out of doors, remember that you have every advantage as long as you keep your eye trained on the brighter side of life. Optimism, right? So it doesn't mean that you, uh, you know, you deny reality, right? If something's bad, but <laughs> but uh, if you're able to kind of uh, think on uh, like what what is the the silver lining there, then you can probably what, make lemonade right <laughs> out of lemons. All right. So let me get to uh, Ellie. Ellie, the game hunter. Uh, a growth mindset is a key necessity to almost every part of life. Interesting to hear it from Farmer Burns' perspective. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, also, the, the thing about that is that like this is back, like this book, um, I guess it was copyrighted or whatever, um, back in 1911, or at least published in 1911. Uh, so, so at this time, um, um, uh, Farmer, I mean, uh, Frank Gott was still alive. And then also, too, uh, Farmer Burns was born, like, around the Civil War. So it's, like, it's not like it was just, like, a, a happy time, in, you know, in U.S. history, right? So, and, and it's granted, it's, like, a, U.S. history has very few, like, happy times where there wasn't war or there wasn't uh, labor battles, right, or class warfare um, or actual warfare in uh between civil war or, or like even earlier where it's like we're fighting even against the British and then, uh, uh, you know, and so anyway, there's like, uh, he was even born in a time where it was, it wasn't necessarily like uh, all peaceful, but he still talks about optimism, right? So that's, um, that's one of the things that um, he really values. Uh, I want to keep sharing uh, that with you guys, right? Because I thought, I thought it was pretty cool because of that time period, right? Because because also too, um, you know, in the twenties, we're, we're you know pretty soon it's going to start going into the nineteen twenties, and then that a lot of people are like call that the Roaring Twenties, right? Because we had the upper class people, you know, basically hoarding money, right? and then we had a lot of lower class people. We had a lot of segregation. We had uh, a lot of things going on that that isn't necessarily positive or egalitarian or like people weren't really helping out others. And, we, and also we had a lot of labor problems where it's like people were 
trying to fight for uh, labor rights that today we take for granted, right? So people were actually fighting and literally getting beat up and uh, by um, by their employers and whatnot. Um, and so it wasn't until decades later that some of the stuff was made better or resolved, right? So it wasn't until like, you know, the new deal and all that. So it wasn't like the, the best of times, right? But farmer brains wants you to find the good aspects, even if it's not the best of times. All right, Ellie. Um, also cool to hear him talk about being vegan. Right, and that, that would be cool if he was vegan. Um, and, uh, he's, he wasn't, but some of his wrestlers were. One in particular um, was Henry Collin. So, or Colon, I think it's it's, it's K O L L O N. So I think it's pronounced Colin, um, and he was also, and which is interesting, um, he was a, a, a Jewish person, and also a vegan, right? So he'd only eaten uh, you know fruits and vegetables, um, and but the thing, so like, so we're talking about that time period when. Um, when Henry was competing, they also talked about uh, how, even though he was like 40 and whatever, he was still beating all the young wrestlers that were coming up. And the funny thing is like, the reason why we know he's Jewish is because in the article, they mention that, right? And they try to mention it in a, in a weird way. They say he's from the house of David, right? So it's like, why do you even have to bring that up? It's like nowadays it might not even be mentioned in a, in a sports article. Um, what they would talk about nowadays is like, oh, how is this older guy, you know, still beating all the young guys? But anyway, but then they mention, they interview him and he talks about, yeah, you know, I only eat fruits and vegetables and, you know, work out all the time and whatnot. So, and again, he was one of Farmer Burns wrestlers. And then he has the lineage to then, he was one of the guys who taught Billy Wicks, um, who then um, is more of, more of our contemporary. He passed away uh recently uh, but then he also taught john strickland um who is like the current lineage holder of that that farmer burns lineage right. all right taquero man 91 what submissions was farmer burns known for he was known for pinning people <laughs> um but yeah he knew all the different types of submissions um but yeah like you can hear him talk about it and um you know, he's really a wrestler, right? So he mentions pinning all the time, pinning people, right? Um, he also talks about, you know, the wrestler needs to study the different submission holds. Um, but a lot of times, even at this time, and it should, I believe that, it, you know, it still should be the thought, even of people who call themselves catch wrestlers today, it still should be the thought that these like toe holds and stuff are used or should be used to roll someone over onto their back, right? So you, you're still going for that pin. So um, a lot of times the toe hold was used to get control of the leg and give someone so much pain that in order to relieve that pain by, you know, the twisting of their ankle, that they have to flip over onto their back, right? So their face up and they're pinning themselves, right? So, um, you know, he knew, he knew the, you know, the face locks and all that stuff. But again, at this time, people are really thinking about putting people on their back, right? And um, Hackenschmidt and all these people who, you know, they talk about, um, 
Gotch and Frank Gotch and his toehold and all that. Um, yeah, the, the toehold position puts a lot of pain on the ankle. And But the thing is, uh, Frank, he didn't necessarily ever like uh, break someone's ankle or anything like that. People would submit or throw themselves onto their back to give up because of the, the discomfort. Right. So um, he knew all, you know, he knew all that. He knew all the holes. He knew the, uh, the different bar arms and, uh, you know, basically like hammer locks and all that. But a lot of that is controlling the way the person, like the way your opponent will, will move. All right. So, uh, yeah, go ahead and keep asking questions. So, but I would say that you really, especially if you want to call yourself a catch wrestler, wrestling is in the name, right? So, uh, you want to be thinking about putting someone on their back. So even if you're competing in no gi, uh, maybe even if you're competing in some gi stuff or whatever, but um, uh, you, I would say you still want to kind of have that mindset. I think judo, some of the judo styles still kind of have that mindset where they'll, they'll still have like a, a pin. They have their own kind of pin. Um, and so they, they realize that uh, the value of keeping someone on their back and you just just the advantage that you have right so if you're if you're the person who's on your back your face up not only do you have to fight against uh the person's weight and their force you know you also have to fight against gravity so you're just you're just benching you know you're benching people so um you know like even though there's a lot of different uh techniques or submissions from the bottom uh, you know, you, you got to really practice them a lot um, and you got to be really proficient in order to be able to uh, get them, right? Uh, get, especially get them against someone like really high level and stuff like that. Not against your, not against your, uh, your little brother in the backyard or whatever, right? Um, so you basically in a match, you want to take every advantage possible, right? And so even in uh, some of Farmer Burns' other uh, lessons he talks about and I think this is another good point uh, to answer your question uh, with regards to submissions one of the things that Farmer Burns talks about is making someone bear your own weight right so um, so the mindset is different then as opposed to nowadays because again you can see the influence of jujitsu um, and you do just even the uh, amateur wrestling competitions, right? The, the matches are so short that um, people are used to like, you know, you got you to gotta blast double, you know, you got to uh, shoot, you got to shoot real quick or you got to, you know, pull your guard real fast. And um, so you got to do things with, within, you know, just a few minutes, you know, sometimes with a three minute round or a three minute match, right? or sometimes only five minutes or seven minutes, right? So that wasn't the case in, when, uh, in Farmer Burns' time. So he was used to basically unlimited time. And so uh, what he mentions is about making the other person bury your weight, so pushing their head down. You're not thinking about pinning them quickly, right? You're thinking about wearing them down, tiring them out, so that you can roll them over onto their back. You can use some, some submission holds right, to make it uncomfortable so it's easier for you to roll them onto their back to pin them, right? Uh, if they tap out or if they quit, 
great, right? But the thing is, is like, yeah, he mentions, you know, like pushing their head down. So they're basically, they're trying to resist you. So he's like, they're basically doing reps, right? So if you keep pushing them down, they keep lifting their head up, push it down again, up again. He's like, how many times can you do that in one day? It's, you know, it's like lifting weights. And so you can only lift a weight, you know, so, so many times before your muscles fatigue and you can no longer do it. Right. So he says that's one of the keys. Right. So that you can consider that 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 being one of the submissions. Right? Really, really just wearing out your opponent. Right? And so then the more you uh, train or wrestle in that way, then the more you can get used to it, the longer you can last, the better stamina you have. Um, but it can translate to like uh, in in nogi in particular. I mean, even recently, Gordon Ryan, you know, like really famous jujitsu practitioner that everyone loves to hate, right? Like uh, he was calling for 30 minute matches, 30 minute nonstop submission only matches, right? I think the one, the, his last match that he had, I think that was the 30 minute time limit. And uh, I totally agree. You know, I could go for it because our matches in the Ketrosling Alliance competitions, they are 20 minutes, Right, so if he's going for thirty minutes, and if you guys all, you know, are are cool with that, I'm cool with a thirty minute match also, right? So, um, and I believe like one of the last um, big time um, real catch wrestling matches of the the Earl Caddick versus Joe Stecker at Madison Square Garden that was one fall, right? So it wasn't best of three or anything like that. Uh, that was like whoever won that first. The first fall uh, was the winner. Um, I believe that took over an hour, right? And again, wearing people down. You can see that on the on YouTube. You can find that. Um, they, you know, um, and you can see basically it's like uh, Joe, you know, jumping on Earl's back, and uh, he's in referee or turtle position, and uh, just trying to dig his shins into his thighs and uh, you know they're kind of going back and forth just trying to uh, make one guy ride you know basically uh, make one guy bear the other person's weight and then that's kind of what happens you know they're not just like trying to blast in there and then trying to get some submission right that's that's not the mindset and that's not the way it was so um but nowadays i think because of the shorter time limits in both amateur wrestling and jiu-jitsu, then you're going to get the average person thinking like, oh, you need, uh, and also to even pro wrestling, the whole aspect where it's like some big, strong guys, uh, it's going to come in and just pick someone up and slam them and this and that. And it's like, yeah, that's not the way uh, they were thinking. You know, that's not the way they were approaching a match where there was no time limit, right? You want to go in and, uh, you know, make that person, ride that person. You want to ride that person, push their head down into the mat, um, just make them uh, lift, do reps, right, of, of your body weight. And, and hopefully you can get them to tire out, right? <laughs> yeah, so go ahead and keep asking questions if you, if you guys have any. Um, yeah, thank you for watching. It's, you know, it's kind of an unusual time. Anyway, so, uh, uh, but I wanted to kind of share this, share this uh, chapter with you guys because I thought it was pretty cool.
which catch so Takero Man 91, which catch wrestlers were known for wrist locks? Can wrist locks be used for pins? Yes, right? So that was one of the holds that was a catch wrestling hold that again, you can often use. So like if someone grabs grabs you from behind, you know, they get they get around behind you, uh, you can counter them with that double wrist lock. So you get that double wrist lock position, you can throw them over, um, you can get them onto their back. Um, so with regards to the double wrist lock, yeah, that, that's a big time hold. And that, that carried over to pro wrestling because um, that one you can make a big show, right? So it's like people can, you can do like these big flips and all that and still kind of hang on to the hold. And so you can make a big uh, spectacle of it. Okay, Takero Man, do you recommend any catch wrestling solo drills? Um, yeah, 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 join um, join our uh, Catch Wrestling Alliance Academy when uh, we have a bunch of things. Uh, also, too, if you check back in some of our earliest live streams for quarantine, um, I, think I, I think there was a couple ones that I did where I even used a dummy or without dummy. Um, you know, so maybe check back on those. Uh, Ellie, the game hunter. Imagine how many potatoes and how much rice he ate back then. I find it interesting how many how many people lived vegan lifestyles back then. Um, yes, <laughs> there's a there's a good book if you want to hear about like these really famous people um, that you know you might not have known about. Um, who were like, you know, vegetarians and stuff. So some, a lot of times uh, people were only vegetarian, so they might've still had some milk or whatever, or cheese. Um, but yeah, there were a lot, a lot, a lot of famous writers and, um, you know, like uh, the woman who wrote Frankenstein. Frankenstein is actually like a, turns out it was actually a book to talk about uh, the, how plant-based diet is actually better you know, but how people view the because Frankenstein's monster was a plant plant eater, right? So, um, uh, anyway, so the author Mary Shelley and her husband, uh, they were all plant eaters. Yeah, so there was a lot more than you think. A lot more uh, plant eaters. You guys are asking a lot of questions. All right, okay. Um, back to Takero Man. Are there any upcoming catch? wrestlers transitioning into MMA? Hmm, not sure, not sure. Because right now we're kind of focusing on seeing if we can get back to doing events, especially here in LA. You know, we've got a lot of cool venues and stuff like that. So um, we'll try to get back to it. Any good catch, oh yeah, so I got to that question. Any submissions you'd recommend for a lanky person? Your legs, doing your legs, so doing scissors, uh, crooked head scissors, um, yeah. I think we did one where it's like the breakdown where um, there was a head scissors that uh, Penn State wrestler Jason Nolf did right against a double leg takedown attempt. You know, he got head scissors and he spun the guy around and was able to uh, uh, get a pin. So we did a we did a video on that. So check out. I think it's in a playlist that we have. It's like a amateur to catch. All right, I think that's the playlist where it mentions amateur wrestling. It'll be in that playlist. Any well-established female catch wrestlers that we should check out? Um, 
we'll see. Um, um, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully the woman I'm working with in China can. Uh, you know, she's doing really well in MMA. She's number ranked number one in China right now uh, for MMA in the the light the lightest weight division for women. Um, she won she won four matches in a row in this uh, pro tournament. Um, so she's trying real hard. She loves wrestling. Let's see, Ellie. Takero Man is asking all the questions I never thought to ask. <laughs> Uh, Takero Man, any current Japanese catch wrestlers that you recommend to check out? No. <laughs> I think a lot of them are doing like uh, judo and stuff and so and mixing some of the the pro wrestling stuff. So um, there wouldn't be like a pure catch wrestler. Yeah, and so Ellie again says like she, he doesn't believe that Kana uh, would consider herself, so a Japanese uh, wrestler wouldn't consider herself a catch wrestler. It's true. Did I release a podcast? Yes. So what happens is uh, uh, when I do the live stream, then um, I uh, the next day I release it as a podcast. So you can find that on you know Apple and uh, Google. Google Podcasts and all that stuff. Okay, so Ellie, quick plug. I highly recommend anyone to sign up for the Catch Wrestling Academy. Lots of techniques to look at and study. One of the few places where I found that gives you an essential foundation. Thank you very much. Um, yes, I agree. And I think that's that's why it's like you can't um, progress beyond like what the, the foundational things that I, I, I basically I planned it out where uh, you have these foundational courses, so basically two main foundational classes, like foundations of stand-up stuff, foundations of the mat wrestling, so the groundwork, and then I put a few extra things about like uh, conditioning, and then also from my friend on the East Coast, John Strickland, who has the, we talk about the lineage, the Farmer Burns lineage. Um, I'm also certified under John as well. Um, so we have all that as the foundation for uh, our Catch Wrestling Alliance Academy. And then once you demonstrate your proficiency in those two foundational courses, then you get access to more and more. And so, uh, I, you know, you, you get access to more advanced uh, technique stuff, but then also like tips on uh, uh, wrestling better, but then also even maybe coaching tips as well. So that's all uh, other courses that you'll get uh, included into your package once you uh, once you pass the foundational things. Yeah, so thank you, thank you, Ellie. I really appreciate that. Robert Hoggle, uh, any catch wrestling schools in Northern California? I don't know, Robert. You should uh, you should start it. <laughs> it should be you, bro. Uh, what is the name of the female Chinese catch wrestler that you're referring to? Uh, she's an MMA fighter, but she loves catch wrestling. And so I've gone to China. Uh, we've met a couple times in China, and then we trained together also in um, Singapore. Her name is Sherming. So H S H I M I M G, Sherming. 
uh, Takero Man, who are some of your top pupils? Um, I think people who've been doing it the longest with me. Um, I think, you know, you, you see Chris Morales. He's he's uh, competed several times that he won the, the heavyweight world championship uh, in Iowa. Um, and then, um, so he's still, he's still training really hard and uh, he's much better than even in those videos. Uh, and then we also have, and actually I think what I'm gonna do, uh, because I switched everything over to a new website. So I'm gonna start adding all the people who have like, uh, uh, like basically, you know, we're having kind of levels of um, training. So people who are doing the Cat Wrestling Alliance Academy will have levels. And so then even though um, uh, Cat Wrestling in general doesn't have any belts or anything, so we'll still kind of have like a ranking for you guys. And so then I'll put people like say like Chris Morales and also I would say uh, Manuel Salazar. You'll see Manuel in a lot of our technique videos. He's also a judo black belt. Also, he's a national black belt judo uh, champion. Uh, so um, he uh, he'll be up there as well. Yeah, we also have a couple, a few women who've been training uh, serious. Besides Sherming, uh, we have a few women here in in LA that uh, have been training, but they are uh, still kind of beginners. So um, you know that. We'll let you know about them <laughs> later. But yeah, they, they're still they're still cooking. Right? They still have to learn a lot of the foundational stuff to in order to not get destroyed in a match. Um, what workouts do you recommend for injury prevention? Uh, yeah, compound weight training. So yeah, any of the like pushing. So it's not you're not doing like bicep curl or try. Is it pushing, pulling? pushing up or pulling down that really helps to stabilize your shoulders. Same thing, squats also really help. Lunges, yoga, uh, all those types of things really help. And stretching afterwards, after you're done. All right, how did you get started with catch wrestling? Um, Takero Man asks, uh, so I got, because I, my foundation uh, was in Chinese kickboxing, so Sanda, and so that has a lot of take, a lot of wrestling aspects, a lot of takedowns, and also Chinese wrestling. So the the Chinese jacket wrestling, we, you might see, where it also has the takedowns. Um, so it has this, all all of it has a wrestling approach, so the top down approach. And so I wanted to complement that with some more like mat wrestling, and um, you know jujitsu was already popular, um, so I tried that, but it didn't quite fit my my way of thinking, right? So just researching. So, you know, also amateur wrestling didn't quite do it for me as well. So, because I also wanted the whole submission aspect as well. And then that naturally led me to catch wrestling. And I've been doing that for over 10 years now. Oh, and that answers your following question, Takarama. Yeah, over 10 years. Yeah, crazy how time flies. But that consistently, so it wasn't like going back to it and leaving it. You know, it's just, you know, I was tra training and I went to Wigan, you know, trained privately with Billy Robinson. Um, just, you know, went hardcore and also training with John Strickland. Uh, the American lineage, you know, and that's the other thing that you can kind of once you once you know 
Um, like I said, like since I had a lot of experience with, you know, even competing in Wigan, you know, beating, you know, representing Wigan and then beating other people uh, from other countries and stuff in catch wrestling competition. Um, then when you see what, uh, say like Billy Wicks and John Strickland teach, you can see the core is the same. So you, even though they were like separated by a hundred years, it, it's almost almost exactly the same. There's just a little bit of a stylistic difference, but it's quite remarkable. Like a lot of the main details are just exactly the same. So it's like, uh, you know, they talk about like archaeologists, like, you know, they find a pyramid in, in uh, Indonesia and it's exactly the same dimensions as the pyramid in Mexico or, you know, something like that where it's like, like uh, different or, you know, but like remarkably similar. So you can tell that the, that lineage traces back to the same origin. I don't know about the pyramids. <laughs> yeah, you know, just giving a, just an example, right? But, um, yes. <laughs> but I think you know what I mean. At least I hope you know what I mean. All right. Okay, so um, actually I, I need to leave. <laughs> so, because um, uh, we're, we're gonna start working on a project and hopefully we can put a video out about that coming up that I think you guys might like. Um, so I don't wanna say too much about it, but hopefully it should be out soon um, because a lot of you guys like judo, so it's actually going to be judo oriented. So um, we're gonna do some kind of collaboration that I think you guys might like. So we need to work on that uh, starting in a few minutes. So I have to take off, but uh, thank you for watching. Um, and thank, or thank you for listening if you're listening to the podcast. So this will be available tomorrow on podcast version. Um, but yeah, so we're on Twitch, we're on you know YouTube, uh, wherever you're most comfortable, wherever it's most convenient for you to listen. I appreciate it. Um, so see you next week. And uh, you know, feel free to continue asking questions or commenting. Uh, let us know if you have any other questions. Uh, what else you'd like to know? Right. Uh, all right, so Patrick, do you have any challenges trying to convince people about the effectiveness of catch wrestling? Of course, you know, jiu-jitsu is uh, super popular nowadays. So, uh, you know, you get a lot of uh, like zealots who, um, you know, they're, they're ride or die for jiu-jitsu. All right, Ellie, thanks for the class. Yep, thank you for, uh, for watching. Okay, guys. All right, so we'll see you next time.